lift up a couple of announcements for you. Um, Bible study will be 6.30 p.m. We'll continue our study of Revelation. Um, next, next month, beginning at 10 a.m., we'll be having uh, Sunday school, um, doing a little bit of something different. We'll have Sunday school at 10 a.m. before our worship service. And then next Sunday, we'll be having our worship service at 11, live streaming. And we'll be having live streaming Sunday school at 10 a.m. Also, um, the um, Facebook address for the church um, where you can watch streaming is facebook.com forward slash stjamesumc.lawrence. And be sure to look for updates on our church web page. And it is stjamesumclawrence.org. That's stjamesumclawrence.org. That's the church's web, website. Be sure to, uh, to watch out for updates. Um, also, um, as many of you have seen the, um, the news from Bishop Holston about suspending services, uh, suspending uh, in-person services through May the 20th due to the um, coronavirus outbreak. Um, so we're going to extend that through the month of May due to, um, the, due to the guidance from the President's um, Task Force on Coronavirus. Um, that's, and that states that the, when the cases of the coronavirus drop, and then there's a 14-day period, and then during that 14-day period, there's, there's still um, a 10-person limit to, to large social gatherings. So um, we're going we're gonna, to, to err on the side of caution, we're going to remain closed to in-person worship, um, in-person services at the church until hopefully, 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 June the 7th. That's the first Sunday in, in um, the first Sunday in June. Hopefully by then um, we will um, be able to open up and have, have services again. But right now, folks turn on the news, um, the, la the, last, the last three days in South Carolina, there have been over 200 cases um, reported um, by the DHEG of the coronavirus. There was like 200 the day before and 200 yesterday and this morning I watched there were 200 cases. So just because one state is opening up everything does not mean um, that there is a cure for the coronavirus. There's not, I'll say that again, there is not a vaccination yet and you still can guess this, it is a deadly disease, especially for people they're above 65, that, that are over 65 years old, the, above age 65. It can be a deadly disease. So um, we're going we're gonna to practice caution and, and during the month of, um, but we're going we, to, we're going to, we're going to have our services um, streaming. Um, and if you need help with that, you can contact Kevin Allman, and Kevin be, be, be glad to help you with that. So you can, you can participate with us. And like I said, we're going to have Sunday school, and we might have an, uh, some other programs as well for you. But we're still going to be, we're still going to be having worship, whether we're, whether we're here in the sanctuary with just me and Kevin, uh, 
we're going to be having worship. Um, we're still going to be having preaching at 11 o'clock, whether, you're, whether we're here together or whether we're, at, or we're, or we're celebrating through streaming. So we're going, to, we're going to still have worship services. But this disease, uh, I, don't, I don't want to have, open up the church. I realize that people act, I've seen people all the time running around town acting like that, that, that it's all clear and it's not all clear uh, until there's a cure uh, and, and, or there's, still, there, there's enough people that have had the virus that, um, that, have, that have survived. That those people, you know, can, don't have to wear a mask, don't have to wash their hands, don't have to worry about it because, you know, they're, they're safe, uh, you know, according to the doctors that, know, that have studied the coronavirus. But see, they're not sure about that either. They don't know if you can, that you can, you can, you can, re, you can um, catch it again, but you don't know. So right now we're just going to proceed with caution. We want to keep all our church family safe. Um, you know, we want to try to do the best that we can for our church family here at St. James, and we want to make sure you know everybody's safe because there are, there are a lot of cases that I've seen on the news of people. You know, there was like I said last Sunday, there was a funeral that went on on the 22nd of March, and some elderly people went to a funeral, and somebody there that had the coronavirus, they they had asymptomatic symptoms, which means they had mild symptoms. They didn't realize they had the disease and they gave it to several people. And those people, there were six people that attended that funeral passed away from the coronavirus. So we, we, we want to proceed with caution um, during this time. Um, and now let us, as we begin our worship this morning, let us turn together um, to join in the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. And this morning, we're going to sing the glory of Hatri as well. Uh, glory be to the Father, uh, which is number 70 in our hymnal. We're going to, as we would normally do on Sunday morning, we're going to join together and, and say the Apostles' Creed. Now, the words are going to come up for you on, on, uh, on the screen, and then we're going to sing together the glory of Potter. So that's, this morning, let's join together in number 881 that's in our hymnal, 881, um, the Apostles' Creed. Let us unite together in historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us join in singing together the glory of poetry. And the words are going to come up for you on, um, on the screen.
Now we're going to join together and sing our first hymn this morning, number 374 in our hymnal. And we're going to sing together, Standing on the Promises, and the words are going to come up for you on your screen. And let's join together this morning and sing hymn number 374, Standing on the Promises in our hymnal. the Lord. It's good to be able to worship the Lord this morning and be able to know that we're standing on his promises that he makes to us through the power of his living word. Let us just give him praise this morning. Let us just give him, give the Lord a shout out today and just thank him for saving us and, and redeeming us and writing our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is when this, it's good to know that when this life ends here, that we have a new beginning in heaven with him in eternity. It's, it's so let us 
this morning. Stand on the promises of God. Amen. I want to also denounce, too, is that um, if you uh, do not have the capability to stream, uh, we don't want you to feel left out. We are also um, taping um, all of our programs, uh, all of our services. We're taping them for you. So if you would get in touch with Ms. Mott, if you would like to have a copy of each of our services, Ms. Mott Mayer, and she would be more than happy to get you a copy. So we want to keep everybody included. Like I said before, if you, want to, if you have the capability to stream and you don't know how, you can contact Kevin Allman. And Kevin is, the, is the, our technology person. He knows all about it. I don't know a thing. And he's making this happen for us. So let's, let's give a shout out to Kevin this morning because uh, he's done a great job putting this together. A lot of this stuff that we did, we had to put on the fly um, so we can ha have something going on. And so Kevin, Kevin, and Kevin did a lot of the, uh, the programming. Um, so we appreciate Kevin this morning. Um, now we want to come to our time of prayer together this morning. And we have a prayer, prayer request for, um, for Kathy Weiss this morning. And we want to lift her up in prayer. Um, let's, let us this morning... Um, pause for a few moments to come before the Lord in prayer today. And let us seek God in His presence as we take this opportunity to come before the throne of grace today. So I invite you at this time, wherever you are, to take a few minutes to, to bow your head and close your eyes and let us pray together. seek you this morning. Be with us as we worship you. Minister to us this morning, Lord. During this time of the coronavirus pandemic, come and Draw close to us as we draw near to you. Remind us, Lord, that your love is always constant. 
always reaching out to us. Always touching us. Allow us to know your presence during this time of uncertainty in a greater way. Wrap your loving arms around us, Lord, and hold us close as we are your children. Remind us, Lord, that you make all things work for good. Even in this time, you have not forsaken us or abandoned us or forgotten about us. But you're with us through this time of separation. You're with us here in the sanctuary and you're with us in our homes across Lawrence County. And you're with us across the state and nation. Help us to have faith and to trust and acknowledge you in all we do. And you will direct our steps. Help us to know this morning that we don't have to be afraid of the terror by night or the the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that walks in darkness. We don't have to worry about the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Healing Jesus, we thank you this morning that you're our great physician. that you've come to minister to us both mind and body and spirit. We ask, Lord, for continued prayer for those affected by the coronavirus. We ask, Lord, for continued prayer for our national leaders and our state leaders and our local leaders. We ask continued prayer and protection for those in the military, those hospitals, doctors and nurses caring for the sick. We ask, Lord, for protection for our first responders, our police and fire and EMTs. We ask, Lord, for prayer for those persons that were affected by the tornado in easily those recovering 
We ask, Lord, for prayer for those persons this morning that are recovering from tornadoes and storms across the south. Be with each of these persons, Lord, in each of these requests as we lift them up to you this morning. We thank you for hearing our prayer today. And we thank you that you're a loving God who cares about his people. We thank you, Lord, that you're the good shepherd that knows each of his sheep by name and calls them out. And they follow the shepherd where he goes. Help us this time, Lord, in these uncertain days, not to lose our faith, but to continue to lead us Help us to know that you're with us no matter what comes our way, for you have overcome the world. And that we might always see and understand things, but help us to trust in you. We thank you for this prayer and the opportunity to bring all of our needs before you today. Lift up those requests this morning. If you have a request today, if you just would lift it up to the Lord where you are, the Lord hears your prayers. If you have a request this morning, if you just lift it up to where you are, the Lord hears your prayers. And now if you would join me as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught all of his disciples, all of God's children to pray together as we pray together the Lord's prayer this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, it's children's time. So I invite all the children to come to join together in our children's time together. And we have Kevin, who's going to be doing our children's time today. So I'll, give it, I'll hand it over to Kevin, and I'm sure he's got an exciting message for all the children today. So let's all welcome Kevin, and let's all invite all the children to come for our children's time today. Good morning again, boys and girls. It is so exciting uh, to be with you again today, and I appreciate you all coming around. So <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna, our, our, our Bible lesson today is going to come from uh, Luke chapters 24, verses 30 through 31. And I need a little bit of participation from you this morning, boys and girls. So um, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I need you to use your imagination. So close your eyes for me. And as you close your eyes, I want you to picture yourself standing on the road to Emmaus. And Emmaus is a popular biblical road. And, I, and, and on standing on that road, I want you to put yourself in the time of Jesus. There's cobblestone. There's people dressed in robes. There's long beards. So you put yourself in the time of Jesus. 
on the word on the road to Emmaus. Okay, so I'm going to tell you now. Now eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed and use your imagination. Put yourself in that time. So um, I'm going to say something here, and I want you to listen real closely to what I'm going to say. And again, we're on the road to Emmaus. You're not going to believe it, but two men were walking and talking with someone they didn't even recognize. Let me say it one more time. Eyes closed, imaginations. You are not going to believe it, but two men were walking and talking with someone they did, that they didn't even recognize. So, all right, you can open your eyes now, but keep that, keep that vision that you saw in your head. Now, here's what that special man was saying to those people that they didn't recognize. Do you find it so difficult to believe what was written by the prophets in the Scripture? It was predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his time of glory. All right, kids, so do you have any guesses of who they were talking to on that road? So, if you've heard this story before, or you guessed Jesus, you are exactly right. For some of you, it was, it was probably really easy to guess, uh, but some of, some of us, it may have been kind of difficult. But if you guessed Jesus, you guessed right. So those men on that road had been through a hard time, and they knew that Jesus had been crucified, so, so he would not have been there. And that would not have been their first guess of who they were talking to on the road. So Jesus had to open their eyes in order to see that it was him. Okay? So kids, we're going to say a prayer. And normally when we pray, we're going to, we keep our eyes closed when we pray. But when I say open your eyes during this prayer, I want you to open your eyes when I say open your eyes. Okay? So let us pray. God, thank you that Jesus died for our sins. Not only did he die, but he defeated death and rose again. Thank you that Jesus is alive and working in the world today. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Because we want to see Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, kids. Thank you, John. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Kevin, for sharing the children's time with us this morning. Now we're going to join in singing our next hymn today. It's hymn number 526 in our hymnal. And it is, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And the words are going to come up for you on your screen. Let's join together in singing our next hymn, hymn number 526, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
Praise God. What it, it, it's good to know that we have a friend in Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful hymn that we can sing about our faith. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. You ever listen to those words that you sing as we sing this hymn? Let those words just minister to your hearts this morning. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful with who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Amen. I don't know about you, but that touches my heart this morning to know that we can bring our, our, all of our needs and concerns and crises to the Lord. And he, he shares um, the journey with us. And he, at times he carries the burdens for us. He says, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take upon my burden, which is easy, and my yoke, which is light. Amen. Now let us share together in God's word. This morning I'm reading from the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And I'm reading from Revelation uh, chapter 3. And I'm reading from verses 14 through 20. And I'm reading this morning from the New King James Translation it's copyright 1982 by Thomas Nelson Publishers. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's word this morning from Revelation chapter 13, verses 14 through 20, as we, as Jesus is writing a letter to the church of Laodicea. The last church of seven churches that John is having his revelation of the end times, and this is the seventh church, the last church, and it's called Laodicea. And let's hear what God, the Word of God says this morning. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 20. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write, These things says Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither hot, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit, on my right, to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'll say that one more time. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, write your word upon our heart and transform us into a a person who does your word and not just hears it, but practices it. Make your word come alive in our hearts this morning. Minister to us through its power. and Give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say to us this morning. And we give you praise and thanks as we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My sermon is entitled this morning, and are we yet alive? Are we alive this morning, church? Are we alive in Christ? Are we excited about what God is doing in our life? Can we see his hands? Do we feel his touch? Do we know his presence? Are we excited to be his church today? And are we yet alive? In our text this morning, the Jesus, the resurrected, glorified Jesus, appears on an island called Patmos. And this island was located in the Aegean Sea. And he appears there to the apostle named John that was a prison there, imprisoned there on, on the island by the Romans. Now, Patmos was a penal colony that was established by the Romans, and they would send people to this island, and they would they would put them on, they would put them on a boat and put them ashore, and they would be on their own. They had to fend for themselves. They would have Roman guards that would surround the island, but nobody that got got on the island could get off the island. And they would have to take care of themselves. So that's what where John was during this time. You know, uh, the, the emperor Domitian had tried to kill John. He was the only disciple that survived um, being martyred. He, they tried to boil him in oil, and he survived. And so they, so they carried out his punishment. They imprisoned him on this island. And so, so John had to spend his days caring for him, taking care of, him, of himself, and spending time in prayer, seeking the Lord. And, and while he was on this island, this is where he has his, his vision of the end times or the apocalypse. And so Jesus picks the time um, and space and opportunity to, to reveal the end times to John. And so he comes and reveals himself on this island to John. And Jesus takes, um, Jesus is not uh, limited by time and space as we are. You know, he's, the, Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So Jesus is not limited by space like we are, time like we are. You know, we're, we're, we're limited by the calendar. We're limited by, the, by, our, by our clock. And, and so but Jesus is not. So Jesus 
um, miraculously, you know, comes to and he comes and takes John from the time that he's in and he and he miraculously transports John through time and space to the day of the Lord. Um, so Jesus picks, picks this time to reveal the end times of the coming of the apocalypse uh, upon the world when the wrath of God is poured out and sin is judged and evil is punished. Isn't that good to know, folks, that, we, that God doesn't hide the, his, um, the, his plans and purposes from us, that he shows us ahead of time? You know, so Jesus shows John the end times. And, and Revelation is a book in the Bible about end times. The prophecy has not yet been fulfilled. You know, the Old Testament, some of the Old Testament has not been fulfilled yet either because it, some, some of the prophecies in the Old Testament hinge on the end times as well. Um, and so Jesus um, shows John what's going to happen in the end times. And, and during the latter days, you know, the wrath of God is coming upon the world. And, and it's going to come in the form of seven sealed judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and seven bold judgments that we learn about in Revelation. And as I mentioned, that the, the tribulation period lasts seven years, and the judgments um, increase uh, in their severity. So the last seven bold judgments are the most severe of them all. Um, so as I mentioned, John... Uh, Jesus transports John um, in time and space to the terror, to the day of the Lord. The Bible warns us about the, the day of the Lord. Um, it was the day that, that God will judge the world. It's a horrific day for those people that stand against um, stand against God. It's a, it's a it's a horrific day for those that oppose the Lord. It's a, be a horrific day for evil because evil's going to get judged. Um, it, it's the day of the Lord when Jesus administers his justice for sin upon this world. And there's no place to hide from the lamb that sits on the throne. The Bible says that people are going to try to hide in, in caves, and, 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 but they're not going to be able to hide from him. They're not going to be able to escape. But the day of the Lord is going to be a day of triumph for the believer. It's going to be a day of triumph for those that have accepted Jesus as their Lord. It's going to be a day of vindication. It's going to be a day that evil is finally judged. It is a day that we, that we see Jesus glorified and we see his deity as God. And he's going to be the one to bring the, the, um, God's wrath upon the world. You know, we, we always wonder, you know, why does evil seem to get away with it? You know, why didn't he evil punish? Well, folks, let me tell you something. Evil is going to be punished. The Bible says in the end times that evil is going to be punished. Evil is going to get, evil is going to be judged. And, and, and evil is not going to slip through the cracks as it does sometimes. It's going to be judged. And it's going to be judged harshly. God is going to judge evil in the end times. He's not going to let it get away. You know, he's, not going, he's not going to let it slip through the cracks. But he's going to judge it. And he's going to deal with it. And he's going to destroy it. First things first, though. When Jesus appears to John, he has one thing on his mind. One thing that he is focused on. One thing that he asked the apostle about. You ever wonder what that one thing is? <laughs> he asked that one thing that he has on his mind 
is how is my church doing? What's been going on in my church? What's happening in God's house? What has the church been up to while I've been away? How have you spent your time? Have you been ready for my return? Have you been prepared? Have you been watching for the sign? Have you spread the gospel? Have you been faithful to make disciples? If Jesus appeared before us this morning and he walked through the walls of this church or your house, and he appeared before you and walked down the aisle of this church and stood in your kitchen or in your living room and faced us and he asked us what have we been doing as his church, what would we say? How would we respond to that question? Have we been faithful as a church? Have we loved our neighbor? Have we turned the other cheek? Have we repaid evil with good? Have we walked a mile in someone else's shoes? Have we forgiven the wrongs that someone has committed against us? Have we lived a Christian and godly life? Have we talked the talk? Have we shared love with our neighbor? Have we treated one another with respect and kindness? Have we prayed for one another? Have we used kind words? To our neighbor? Have we invited someone to church or invited someone to attend live streaming of our worship service? Have we been faithful to support our church, his church, with our tithes and offerings? Have we been faithful to give to the Lord? Have we? This is the reason behind Jesus' inquiry to the Apostle John. Jesus is inquiring about the hearts and minds and the commitment and the devotion of these churches. So he writes a letter to each one of them. Seven letters. The seven stars in the, in, that the Bible mentions that he holds in his hand are not angels, but they're pastors, the overseers of these churches. So he sends the letter to these pastors to address these congregations. As I mentioned, these are seven churches that actually existed, but they're seven periods of church history. And when you study church history, you can see every one of them in time. Every one of the churches in church history, it's amazing Jesus saw it all through time. He saw the history in the hearts and minds of people all through time. 
He saw the dead church. He saw the lukewarm church. He saw the brotherly love church. He saw the revival church. He saw it all through time right then. So every one of those churches have a characteristic in church history. Every last one of them. You may not see that when you read Revelation, but if you study church history, you'll see it in a minute. But Jesus didn't need to ask John what condition and what was going on with the churches. He didn't need to ask it because he already knew. <laughs> he didn't have to ask John what was going on. He already knew what was going on. He already knew what, where the people's hearts were. And he already knows our hearts. We can pretend to play church. We can walk the walk and we, we can talk the talk. But in our hearts, we're... we're we haven't given our lives to Jesus. We can pretend we can play church. You know, we can, we can come to church to sing the hymns and get all excited, but we can hate our brother, and that makes God a liar. And that diminishes Jesus in our life. Folks, let me tell you something. The greatest thing that God, Jesus, is expecting, is expecting from us is for us to love our neighbor. Do we love our neighbor? That's what he's expecting of us. Only two of the seven churches, only two out of seven, are doing it right. Five, Jesus criticizes for their lack of works. One of the churches is called the dead church. It has do-nothing evangelism. And Jesus calls them all in accountability. Why? Because the church should know how to live better than everybody else. That's why. Jesus is very different in his dealing with the church than he is in the Gospels. His language is very frank and very poignant and very harsh. And Jesus gets down to business to some of these churches. And he tells them, he said, look, if you don't, if you don't, if you continue to not do, continue in your evil ways and continue to, 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 walk down the path you continue to walk down. I'm, he tells one of them, I'm going to cast you into a bed of sickness. Another church says, I'm going I'm to uh, blot out your name from the book of life. Another one, he says, I'm going to remove your lampstand from my presence. I mean, Jesus is not playing. He is really serious about how these churches are acting because the Bible says that we are part of his body. And Jesus does not like the way his body is being, being represented here. And Jesus says, look, it's time for you to not be playing religion. See, Jesus is not, does not come off as having brotherly love. He has come to challenge these churches to get back to what they're called to do. Like the first church is the church of Ephesus. Ephesus started out as a powerful church. It was the first church. It was the first church in church history. 
But it got more, or, as it got more organized, it began to leave its first love. It began to fall in love with religion and not with Jesus. That's what the Jews did. The Jews loved the temple more than they did with God. We can be in love with the church, but we cannot be in love with Jesus, folks. We can love our church building, our padded pew, and then our name on the side of the building, but we can, but, but we, but, and, and we can not be in love with Jesus. We can love our church more than we do Him. See, Jesus, He ran out of the money changers because He didn't like religion in the temple. He didn't have any patience for us. He does not like faith mixing with politics. It has no place inside his church. See, Jesus, he jumped on the Pharisees. You know what he called them? He had some of the harshest criticism for the religious leaders of the day who hid behind the religion. He called the Pharisees, you stonewashed tombstones, you pit of, of vipers, you blind gods, you fools, you hypocrites. That's what he called the religious leaders. See, Jesus offers correction to these five churches to get their hearts locked, to get their hearts right and to doing the business of the church that he's called them to do. He's calling them into to accountability and to not act to not to act like the church is a country club, but to represent his body accurately to the world. See, isn't that sad that the church today, uh, that some churches today look more like a country club than they do like the church? It's sad that when the church looks like a country club, like a gym, more than it does the body of Christ. And see, the world looks at the, that church and don't see the body of Christ, sees a country club or a gym. Folks, we need to repent of our sins and we need to be the church that God has called us to be. We're his body. And we need, to, we need to glorify his body and make sure we're doing the right thing as the church that God has called us to do and stop being a country club. The church is a hospital for sinners. The church should be the place where we love everybody. During this time, there was a group called the Nicolaitans that had infiltrated the church. And the Nicolaitans was in all of the seven churches. They were the orthodoxy. They represented organized religion as an institution. They told you they wanted to be in charge. They told you what to think. They told you what, when, where, and how, what to believe. Jesus had great disdain for these characters that you see he does not like them taking up rank in the church. The Nicolaitans were a priestly class. No lay people were allowed to lead. Only the Nicolaitans and their orthodoxy could lead the church. You do what as I say and not as I do is that's how they led. The last church is Laodicea. It is the lukewarm church. It is the indifferent church. 
It is the non-caring church. It is the apathetic church. It's the church that thinks they have everything. We have the finest of everything. We have, don't need anything. We have the best clothes. And what does Jesus say? He criticizes them. He says, I wish you were hot or cold, but you're not. You're indifferent. And because you're indifferent, because you're apathetic, I'm going to vomit you. I like that word, don't you? In the Bible, you know, uh, some translations say spit, but I like the word vomit. He said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'm going to just throw you up, baby. <laughs> I'm just going to throw you up because I don't, like your, I don't like your lack of commitment. You think that you're portraying the church, my body, but you're not doing anything. You're a big country club. Jesus doesn't like it. We pretend to have church. And I think that's what's happening to, to the church today. We folks, we, 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 sad, it's sad to say we are the last church. We are the Laodicean church. We're living in the Laodicean period. And you can see that today. We, we've had so much of a good thing. You know, I, I, done, I, I did the Revelation Bible study and I talked about, you know, how people like John, uh, Wycliffe and what were killed and they were put, they were burned at the stake. You know what they did? They put that, they they put the um they put the Bible into English. They wanted to get the Bible into the language of the people, and the Catholic Church did not like it. And the Catholic Church got got these men and they, and they punished them. But and that began the, the rise of the Protestant Reformation. And folks, we got the Bible today. The sad truth is these men risked their lives so that they could get the Bible into the hands of people. So people could read it, read God's word. And that's what happened when the, when the, when the, the catalyst that created the great revival in America um, and even the rise of the Methodist church in America because the Bible was put into English thanks to King James in 1611. And so a great revival broke out because people had access to the Word of God. Today we got access to the Word of God. We can go down to Walmart and get it on the shelf, but, but we don't have it. We don't even know. And, and our kids, they don't even know who David is. don't even know who Noah is today because we're not teaching in the Word of God. Kids these days don't even know who, who Moses is. Folks, we're in the last church period. We're, we got a Laodicean state of mind. We're, we're it before he comes. And that accurately describes the state of the church today. We are God's frozen chosen. We're stuck in the deep freeze. And I think this coronavirus is a testing of us all. It's a time of sifting. It's a time of measuring where our heart is. You know, when, we're, when, we're, when the stay at home is lifted and we can return to life as normal, it won't ever be normal. But are we going to have the same attitude about the church as we did before? I mean, Jesus is really looking to see if we really love him and we, and, and we want to be with him and we're going to be committed to his church. And to the family of God, are we going to be here every Sunday morning? Can you count on us? Can we count on you? Some folks, that, some folks think that when they come to church, it's like a bother, a duty. But are we going to come and 
and share our love for him and one another. Where will you be on that day? Now, in Roman days, Ephesus and these churches were located on a postal route. We started at Ephesus and ended the Laodicea, and that's how a messenger would deliver messages back then. We start in Ephesus and go through the circuit. In our scripture today, there are seven churches. They appear in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Their names are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Ever wonder why that Revelation incorporates these seven churches in the end times and the last days? What do they have to do with anything? Why, why does the end time start with these seven churches? I mean, the countdown to the, to the end starts in the church house. <laughs> you ever read Revelation and realize that the countdown to the end of the last days begins in the church house? That's when the, when the clock begins to start in the church house. Why is Jesus there in the midst? You see the picture there on your screen. Why is Jesus there in the midst of the seven golden lampstands? I'm telling you the truth. That vision tells us something about the power of the relationship that Jesus has with his church. These seven churches unlock the key to our understanding the end times and how the world will end. It ends beginning with the church. The story of the church is told in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. It's the good, the bad, the ugly, and the redeemed. <laughs> Say amen if you're one of the redeemed this morning. Say amen if you're one of the redeemed. In this vision, Jesus is standing with us and we are standing with him. Jesus and, and the church are in a symbiotic relationship together. We need one another. He needs us and we need him. And in Revelation, you see Jesus standing with the church and the church standing with Jesus. There is no separation. We see it right there in John's first vision. That's the vision of the church and the vision of Jesus. We see that symbiotic relationship with him. We're in partnership with him. We're in business with him. We're in business and we're working hard to keep the lights on in the world. I'll say that again. We're in business together, working hard to keep the lights on in the world. Our business is to work together to make disciples for the transformation of the world. That's what we're called to do. That's our business. We're, our business is to bring God's kingdom into our community, in our world. We're charged to bring the light of Christ into the darkness of our world through our influence of the gospel. And when Jesus is operating us, we allow his light to shine in our world. John describes this relationship this way. He says, we are the bride of Christ. Wow. We are part of his body. We belong to him and he belongs to us. Jesus makes this promise to us in John's gospel. He says, Behold, I am going to prepare a place for you. 
And I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, you can be also. See, Jesus is talking about that relationship, that symbiotic relationship that he has with us, that relationship that he has us. We are his bride. He is telling us ahead of time the promise he's going to make to us. He says to us that I'm going to make a place for you. And I'm going to come again and receive you that where I am, you can be also. You see that in our, the vision that John has this morning, the promise that he makes. He's standing there, not separated from the lampstands, but he's standing there in the midst of them with them. You see, Jesus is with us and we are with him. You see that all throughout Revelation. Jesus never goes anywhere separately by himself without the church. Because the church is his bride. We are in union with him and he is in union with us. I mean, the whole thing is a paradox. It makes no sense. Jesus comes and he has to be one of us. <laughs> he has to be born as one of us. He has to be like us. He has to be human. He has to take the characteristics of a man. He has to be born as one of us. But then... <laughs> He takes all everything about us, even our sin, all of it. And he answers for the penalty of sin, which is death, and he sheds his blood to make us <laughs> like him. Folks, we can't get into heaven unless we're made like him. Religion is not going to change us. Keeping the Ten Commandments is not going to change us. Following religion blindly, the do's and don'ts, is not going to change us. We've got to come to Jesus and receive what he's offering us. Only that can redeem us from our sins. We have to be transformed and we have to be like him. In Revelation 19, Jesus returns to the earth at the second coming. And he does it riding a white horse. But the Bible says that they're, 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 the armies of heaven that are dressed in white linen, riding with him on white horses, as he returns to the earth at the battle of Armageddon. And the, 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 John identifies the armies of heaven specifically. He says they are wearing White linen. Folks, angels don't wear white linen. He's talking about, guess what? Who those people are? Who's going to be at his right hand side? He just told us we're going to be at his right hand side if we're faithful to him. And to the end, we're going to be at his right hand side. He said he was, got, he was the right hand side of God. Well, we're going to be at the right hand side of him. And who's going to be riding with him to conquer the world with him? Guess what? Go ahead and get a, get a, go ahead and get excited. Go ahead and get, give, give him a shout out. Go ahead and praise him. Go ahead and give him glory because, folks, let me tell you something. We're going to be riding with him when he comes back because we're his bride. Where he, where, where he is, we can be also. Throughout all eternity, we're going to be together with him. And he is going to be with us. He says, I promise you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I, am, I will not leave you as orphans, but I'm coming to you. What a joy it is to have the promise of his faithfulness to us this morning. When we remain faithful to him, he will remain faithful to us. One day he will come again and beam us, beam us off this planet to be with him forever. And what a day that will be. One day the Bible says that the church age will end. Yes, my friends, the church age will end. It ends in Revelation. You see it ending. The seventh church is the last one. And in the next chapter, you don't see any of the church anymore. One day the church age will end. One day this, the church, the body of Christ, will end. The wedding day will arrive. See, we're bride and waiting right now. We're bride and waiting. We're waiting for the bridegroom to come and take us away. That day is approaching, folks. One day the bridegroom, he right now, he's gone to prepare a place for us. Like in the olden days in the Jewish weddings, the bridegroom would go and would prepare a place for his bride, and then he would come again. He didn't tell her when she, he was coming. Sometimes it would be a year. Sometimes it would be a couple of months. Sometimes it would be two years, but he would come back. Folks, we're a bride in waiting right now. We're waiting for the bridegroom to come to take us to be by his side. We don't know when that day is going to come, but he's coming. When that day arrives, the church age will end. Jesus said, do the work now. Do the work now. Do the work now because one day we'll no longer have light to do the work because darkness will come. See, Jesus is speaking about a moment in history that when the church leaves this planet, darkness will come and take over. And can you imagine, right? see what, right now, right now, with Jesus and us on the planet, we are holding back evil. Can you imagine a world when the church is gone and evil can move in? What happens when the light of God starts stops shining in the church? Folks, I don't want to live here to you because darkness moves in. Right now, we are holding back the advancement of evil. You see what happens to us, what, the work that the church does, what we're called to do, we're called to hold back by our presence and our influence, and shining the light, we hold back evil in the world. But if we stay true to God, stay faithful to Jesus, what a promise that we have waiting for us. The chance to be with Him forever and ever. In the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning we're going to sing our closing hymn today. And it's hymn number 348 in our hymnal. And I invite you to sing our closing hymn this morning. Hymn number 348. And as you sing this morning softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. If you need to get right with God today. If you have strayed from, from
from prayer, if you, stray, if you have strayed from Bible reading, you strayed from his presence, if, if, you, if, you, have, um, if you have um backslidden in your life and you need to recommit your life to Christ, now as we sing our closing hymn, I invite you to, to, um, to, to recommit your life to Jesus. And if you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior today, I invite you to invite him into your heart. All you got to do is say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I'm a sinner, and, and I, I believe that, G, that, that um, God raised you from the dead, and, and, and I just want you to come and, and be in my life and be my Savior and be my Lord, and, and I want you to um, I, I want to be with you um, forever and ever as, as, as the book of Revelation talks about. All you got to do is just invite him in. Just pray and open your heart to him and, and believe in him and he'll come in as it says in Revelation 3.20. You know, behold, I, I will come, I behold, I stand in the door and knock and he whoever opens the door, I will come in and be with him. But folks, the door is on the inside of your heart. We gotta be, we gotta let him in. So this morning, if, if you need, if you need to commit, recommit your life to Christ, you can do that right now where you are. You can invite him to come into your life. If you, if, if you need um, if you need to rededicate your life, you can do that right now this morning. So I invite you to rededicate your life to Christ and let God use you and be the influence that God has called you to be in this community and in this world. So we're going to sing our closing hymn, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. The words are going to come up for you on your, on your screen. So let's join together singing. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, number 348 in our hymnal.
Praise God. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Come home. The good news this morning is that we can always come home to him. Wherever we are, we can come home. He is there ready and willing to receive us with open arms. Doesn't matter what we've done in this life, he is ready to forgive us and redeem us and cleanse us and love us. Folks, Jesus can love us better than our mamas can. He knows all of our secrets, all of our hidden things of our heart. He knows all of our past. And yet he still invites us to come when we're so unworthy, so unlovable, so undeserving. He extends his grace to us. And all we have to do is receive it by faith, and we're saved. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by religion. We're not saved by what we do. We're not saved by do's and don'ts, but we're saved through grace. So right now, folks, if you hadn't made a commitment to Christ, I invite you to make that commitment now. While we're still on the grace period, receive that free gift of the finished work that he's already done for you. Don't go out and try to redo it. Just say, thank you, Jesus, and receive it. And allow him to come in your life and allow him to live, your life, live his life through you. I'll say that again. Allow him to live his life through you. You don't have to live it on your own. Do you give him your burdens and, and allow, the, allow his strength allow um, his strength for you to lean on his strength this morning. Amen. So we're glad that, you, that you've been with us this morning for our worship service. Uh, it's been a power-packed hour. We're glad that you, 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 you decided to, to join um, with us this morning. Um, invite a friend to um, worship with you next, next week. This is a a wonderful opportunity to have a virtual congregation. You might be able to get somebody to come to your house or tune into uh, our Facebook page and listen. And you might not be able to invite somebody to come to sit in the church house with you. Um, so invite a friend to come over and share in our worship service with you. 